We're going to be over in the book of Romans, the 14th chapter. Romans chapter 14. There is a sailing or nautical term that is called kedging. I wanted to catch you all up on. A kedge anchor is used when a ship is grounded or it's in turbulent seas. And what they would do is that the sailors would go out in a smaller vessel and they would carry the kedge anchor with them. They would drop it in the general direction that the ship wants to go. And once the anchor finds the bottom, those on board would, would pull in the anchor and thereby drag the ship in the direction that they wanted to go. That's called a kedging anchor. Sometimes we always think of anchors as something that just holds us back, but sometimes anchors have another meaning. Today we want to look at a common anchor for a lot of folks. This is an anchor that sometimes can weigh us down and sometimes can hold us back. So first off, we want to look at what is an anchor. And in the dictionary, we'll find this definition about an anchor. Any of various devices dropped by a chain cable or rope to the bottom of a body of water for preventing or restricting the motion of a vessel or other floating object. Typically, having broad hook-like arms that bury themselves in the bottom to provide a firm hold. Another definition, any similar device for holding fast or checking motion, an anchor of stones. More positive definition for moving forward, a person or thing that can be relied on for support, stability, or security, a mainstay. So these are things that an anchor can be, but we're going to look at a common anchor, something that can hold us back, also can propel us forward, but if it's outside of its proper domain, it's generally going to be something that holds us back and is a problem for us. As we look at this topic of reigning in life, last week we were looking at righteousness. Our righteousness is His righteousness. We are righteous because Jesus is righteous. We wear His righteousness. It's not our acts of righteousness that cause us to be righteous. It's His act of righteousness. His acts during His life, His victory over sin, that is what causes us to be righteous. We wear His righteousness. We don't wear ours. So if someone were to come up to you and ask you the question, are you righteous? We don't have to answer, well, I hope so. Well, I'm doing my best. I'm trying. I'm being made more righteous day by day. You can't be made more righteous day by day. You either are righteous or you're not. Just just think about that sometime. I mean, you just look around. Now, sometimes in this day and age, this question might come into, into question. But generally, most people were born male or female, right? <laughs> generally. Most people are born male or female. If you were born male, you're not becoming more male. You were born male and you that's what you are. If you were born female, you don't become more female. You either are a female or you are a male. Again, this day and age, sometimes that's called into question. I understand. And people like to do things to try and alter or change that. But when we are born again, we are born again righteous. We are not made more righteous after we're born again. When we are born again, we receive the righteousness of God in Christ. And we are righteous. 
So for me to answer a question that anyone would ask me, are you righteous? I can say, yes. Because I understand what righteousness is about. That's why we can go and also say, are you going to heaven? Yes. Yes. How do you know for sure? Because I am righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. There's no doubt that we go to heaven. Now, not in every church that you're in in America. There's a lot of churches in America that will let you know that, well, hopefully, you know, when you get there, you'll be found. You know, you, you know it'll be okay and you'll get on through. And, and really, there's no place in the Word of God that says that when you get to the gates, they find out whether you are going to be let in or not. No place in the Word of God about that at all. When you die, you go to one place or the other. Either you go down and wait for your judgment seat, which is the great white throne, or you go up and enter in. There's no Peter at the gate. There's no angel checking you out. Let's see what we want to do with you. It's already determined. In fact, it was actually determined by the time you were born. When you were born, you were determined to face judgment. But thank God, Jesus Christ gave us a way to alter that. Just accept in Him and we can go on and, and alter where we go. But that's all established ahead of time. So we certainly know for sure. I pity the people, especially Christians. Just aren't sure. Just going through life, well, I don't know. I'm hoping. Hope I can get there. You should know. If you don't know, boy, you ought to change that. But we were looking at righteousness last week. We want to go on from there and look at some other things. In Romans chapter 14, in verse 1, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. We've looked at this before. We're going to look at it for the purpose of reigning in life this time. Receive one who is weak. Here's the question. What makes one weak? And don't say seven days. But, but what makes one weak? If we're going to receive those who are weak, we need to know what, what makes them weak. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does, does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received them. So according to this, anyone who goes to the buffet this afternoon and gets vegetables is weak. Isn't that right? I'm in, isn't that what we just read? So he who goes to the buffet and eats meat only is... Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, that's not what this is saying, is it? You can go to a buffet and eat anything that you want to. But not the disputes over doubtful things. For one, one believes he may eat all things, and he who is weak eats only vegetables. But one believes that he may eat all things. Another one who is weak believes he can only eat vegetables. It is the belief of the person that puts them in the one category or the other, isn't it? Verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or fails. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. 
So if you're amongst the group that likes to have church on Saturday because you believe that's the best day to have church on, don't despise those who believe to have church on Sunday. The same way if you believe that church ought to be on Sunday, don't despise one who has church on Monday. Because if you do, then you could become weak. He who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat, to the Lord he does not eat. He gives give God thanks. Well, when you sit down and you have a meal, it doesn't matter if you filled your plate up with vegetables or if you filled your plate up with pork and steak. doesn't make any difference. As long as you sit on down that meal, say, Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for, for providing food. That's it. Thankfulness. That's all, all we got to do. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For, this, for to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again. And he might, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to, to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Now when he says that we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, understand this. There is no place in the Word of God that says everyone stands before the same judgment seat. That is not scriptural. What Paul is teaching is, who is he writing to? He's writing to Christians. Christians all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Unbelievers do not. If you are before the judgment seat of Christ, glory to God, you made it. <laughs> That's a good thing. If you see a big white throne and a big guy on it, it's not good. This is not starting out well. You don't want to be in front of that judgment seat. You as believers will never see that judgment seat except from above. Thank God. That's the great white throne judgment. Everybody who shows up there goes one place. And it isn't good. We don't want to be at that one. We want to be at the judgment seat of Christ. That's a good spot to be. So we all, Christians, will all be before the judgment seat of Christ. Unbelievers, they won't make it there. They've been judged beforehand to, to not be done. We've talked about it before. There are three judgments in the Word of God. Those are two of them. For it is written, I live, says the Lord, every knee sh shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Do I give account for Naz? Does Naz give account for me? No. We give each account for ourselves. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another any anymore, but rather receive... This stuff. Resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fail in our brother's way. Verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. It is what you believe. If I believe that Sunday is a day to worship God, and I decide not to. If I believe that Saturday is the day to worship God. If I believe that I shouldn't eat pork. But you don't believe. 
If you don't believe that, you, you, you believe it's okay for you to eat pork, but I believe I should not eat pork. If I believe that, what happens if I eat pork? It's a sin. I got a problem. Because this is what I believe. I am going against what I believe. Now, if I study the word out, I find out, oh, I can eat bacon. Glory to God. I can get a bacon cheeseburger. I don't have to just get a regular cheeseburger and they put lettuce or something like that on it. No, I can get bacon on my cheeseburger. That's good. I can get steak with bacon on top. I can get a pork chop. Something like that. I mean, but if you believe that that's not the way that it is and you go ahead and do it, that's it. So the weak one, the weak one, that's got, after he talks about receive one who is weak in the faith, and then he talks about all these things, what he is saying is a weak one is one who believes wrong things about the Word and operates accordingly. Right? He wouldn't be a strong one and you wouldn't have any problem receiving him. The problem that would come in in the receiving end is here comes this one they're weak in the faith. They don't know some things and they believe that pork is bad. So they don't eat pork. And they come amongst you and, and they hear that you eat pork. And they say all kinds of things. Oh, I can't believe you eat pork. You eat pork? And you're going to heaven? How is that possible? And i got to receive that one who's weak in the faith. Well, they don't understand these things. Sometimes what we do is we just say, well, you just get out of this church. You just get out of my presence. I don't want to have you around. No, you do these things. You believe that stuff. You don't do this. and you we, Because of their belief on the thing. No, receive one who is weak in the faith. And then don't go around and do things just to pull them off. Just to, hey, want some bacon? <laughs> no, we don't want to be messing with that. We receive one who is weak in the faith. We understand that they're weak. And we don't sit there and say, well, I'm stronger than you are. I eat meat. You just eat vegetables. Poor little Christian. Just going around eating vegetables. Now here's the, here's the point of all this and this is what he's talking about. When, when we have a wrong set of beliefs and I operate and do the wrong thing, what do I feel? Condemnation, don't I? If I think that eating pork is wrong and I go over to somebody's house and they serve some kind of stew and in the stew was some few pieces of sausage. And I didn't realize that afterwards they say, how'd you like that? Oh, that was good. I've not had anything like that. That was a, a real interesting flavor. What was in it? Well, we had some beef and we had some sausage. Sausage. Oh, no. Oh, no. I've sinned. Oh, and what happens to that person? Condemnation comes upon them, doesn't it? If you believe that you can say certain words and you say those words, you don't feel condemnation, do you? But if you believe that those words are wrong to say, and they come out of your mouth, what happens? Condemnation. If I believe that I should not go to certain places, and then I go to those certain places, what do I feel? Condemnation, don't I? Why? Because I blew it. I did something against my set of beliefs. I operated against my set of beliefs. Whether or not the beliefs are correct, I still feel condemnation, don't I? Now, I, I was raised a certain way. My folks raised me. and They're here anymore. You get to know them. And, 
And they're pretty good folks, you know. They, they, they raised me all right. I have no problem with how they raised me. But they raised me in such a way as to, to understand that certain words are wrong. Now, that has changed, but not with me. It hasn't changed with them either. I don't want to get that impression. They, don't, they still don't use certain words. I still don't use certain words. But I've heard preachers from the pulpit use some of those words I was taught not to use. I've heard Christians in church use some of these words and I was taught not to use them. Now, your definition of a cuss word, someone else's definition of a cuss word, and my definition of a cuss word probably all a little bit different, right? <laughs> but I was raised in a certain way that, that certain words were cuss words and now it's just slang. But to me, it's still a cuss word. And it still doesn't come out of my mouth. I stood on you. I don't care if Brother Hagin himself used it. <laughs> Brother Hagin, Doug Jones, Brother Creflo Dollar, all could stand up in the pulpit and use some of those words and I still wouldn't use them. I still would not be set free to use those words. Because <laughs> inside myself, I say, those words are wrong. Those words are not right. I don't use those words. You've never heard those words come out of my mouth. I can say that because I know it. They never have come out of my mouth. If I believe I shouldn't use them, I don't use them. Now, whether it's right, now the Word of God doesn't come out and say, this word is wrong, does it? It's a set of beliefs that we have. And if I were to utter those words, I, could, I know that certain condemnation would come upon me. Whereas other people... People I work with or you work with, they may say those things and it's not going to bother them. Just like I can go to the buffet and eat all the pork I want to. <laughs> and totally bypass the vegetables. <laughs> Completely. No vegetables shall enter my mouth when upon a buffet. <laughs> That's just my belief. We were at a buffet last, last week. Were there any vegetables on my plate? I don't remember. I don't think, were there any vegetables? No vegetables on my plate. That's right. All meat. All meat. Now, other folks are weak and they have to eat vegetables. <laughs> and that's okay. Because we receive those who are weak in the faith. <laughs> no, I can just have fun with it. My wife likes vegetables and that's good. She, she enjoys them and other folks like vegetables. My, my mom likes vegetables. She got those, those raw things of vegetables, those little roll, what do they call those things? No, no, no. The little, little roll, sushi, it's a sushi roll. Is it actual sushi? She likes those. I, they will never come on my plate, buffet or no buffet. They will never enter into my mouth. That's just me, though. That's just me. Other people like them. And that's, that's good. And that's why they make them, because other people like them. They didn't make them for me. No, they make tofu. Who does eat that stuff, anyway? <laughs> no, there's people who like tofu, and, and that's why they make it. Because there's different, different likes. But as soon as I go out there and I begin to put upon you my lack of enjoyment of a certain food, my lack of enjoyment of certain days, whatever it is, I am taking the condemnation that I would feel and putting it upon you. Do I have word for it? No. I mean, do we have any word in the Word of God that says, Thou shalt worship on Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? Doesn't say it in there, does it? 
Does it say thou shalt worship on Saturday morning at 9 a.m.? Saturday night at 10. It doesn't say any of that. What it does say is you ought to get together. Don't forsake it. Hebrews tells us that. Don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. Because it's bad. But he doesn't say when you ought to have it. He also doesn't tell us how to have church. And church changes from culture to culture and century to century. It's always been different. And God's okay with it. He's he's alright with all that. He doesn't say, Thou shalt worship for 35 minutes upon which thou shalt take up the offering at the conclusion of which thou shalt give sermon after which thou shalt pray for the sick and then thou shalt send them off to the buffet. But he doesn't say all that. That'd be a great order of service. How many like that order of service? This is all right. <laughs> but he doesn't say any of that. So we don't have an order of service in the Word of God. So we, we, we do things a certain way, but don't put other people under condemnation because they didn't do things the way that you did. Or that's Receive those that are weak. Hey, maybe you're the one that's weak. Who knows? But don't be, don't be going off this way. So Paul goes, he talks about all the food. As we already said, and fill this out for your outline, the amount of correct knowledge is what determines our spiritual strength. The amount of correct knowledge is what determines our spiritual strength. It is not the amount of knowledge. Because you can have a whole lot of knowledge of things that are not true. And all that will do is make you weak. If I have knowledge that I should not eat pork and should eat vegetables only, what's that do to me? Makes me weak. Because this is not a spiritual principle. There's a whole lot of people that come off with a lot of spiritual knowledge that are nothing but spiritually weak. Of course, receive those that are weak. The correct knowledge that causes us to be spiritually strong is a type that brings life, not bondage. It brings life, not bondage. If you got somebody walking around, thou shalt not eat pork. Thou shalt not eat raw fish. I actually agree with that, but. I still, one of my favorite football commercials is Terry Bradshaw. He's in over there and he's, he's at some kind of sushi place and they have raw fish. And he looks at that and he says, Where I come from, they call that bait. <laughs> I still, I love that one. I thought that was great. I would call that bait too. <laughs> but some people call it food. And I'm not going to go into those people and put them under bondage. Thou shalt not eat raw fish because it's not in there. Thou shalt not worship on this day. I can't put that kind of stuff on them. That's the wrong kind of condemnation. But what causes you to be strong is correct knowledge. What causes you to be weak is incorrect knowledge. Knowledge that is built beliefs and principles but are not based on the Word of God. When you hold to them to the level with which they equate to principle to, to biblical principles, that's what will make you a weak person. Verse 14 said, There is nothing unclean of itself. So what you think on a subject is important to your freedom and your ability to reign. What you think on a subject is important Regarding your freedom and your ability to reign. Because if you have a wrong set of beliefs, 
you will be in a wrong set of bondage. If you have a wrong set of beliefs, you may have a wrong set of freedom. A wrong set of, I can do this. I can just go off and do whatever I want to. No, that's not it either. Now, here's a question for you. Is condemnation not from God important? Because the Word of God has a lot of things to say about condemnation from God. Does not God condemn those that are in sin? Does He convict them of their sin? Does He not say, you are on the way, the wrong way, the way to hell? Does, he, does not the Holy Spirit come out here to convict us of our sin? To show us the condemnation that comes from being in a life of sin? Doesn't He do that? To get it for the purpose of getting us out of it? But as the Word of God has taught us, once the convicting work of the Holy Spirit has brought us to a place of salvation, does the convicting work of the Holy Spirit continue to dwell on the past sins? There's no purpose in it now, is there? So the only one that would bring us into that is one that's trying to bring us into bondage. Once we have been set free, once we have been born again, anything that brings us into remembrance of our past life is not God. Anything. Because God has said that you are a new creature. One that the Word of God in the Greek says, one that has never existed before. You are a brand new creature. If that's what God says about you, then how can He bring up what was old? Doesn't Paul say, leaving the old man, the old man died? We got the new man? If that is truly a biblical principle, what is God, by His Holy Spirit, doing convicting you of past sins? So we know, just from the Word of God, that any time something someone, some spiritual force, some whispering voice to us brings us into conviction of past B.C., before Christ's life sins, and brings us into all that condemnation about it. As soon as that happens, who is it of? Satan or the people? Or It's not of God. If it's not of God, should I listen to it? No! Resist it steadfast. In the, resist, get rid of that thing. You do not need it. Anything done in the past, that's the past. That, that man died. That man died. Go over to the cemetery, maybe on your way home. How many of you passed the cemetery on your way home? Stop by the cemetery, go in and ask the residents if anyone is concerned about swine flu. <laughs> ask them. Ask any of the residents there if they are concerned about catching a cold. Cancer. Or do you think they're concerned about it? No. Why? They're dead. Right. Which is what the Word of God teaches us. I died to it. I already died to it. You can't die from cancer twice. You can only die from it once. Once you're dead to sin, you're dead. It's already done. So that's not going to happen. So is condemnation that is not from God important? The condemnation to come from God is two things. One, to bring us out of a life dominated by sin into a life of righteousness or to convict us of individual sins that we have made once we have become born again. To bring us to a place of repentance and restore fellowship. And that's really all we have from the Word of God. But sometimes we have other things that come in. Go over to First John chapter 3. Verse 16. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us, and we also 
ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What brings the condemnation? Let me read that verse again. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What brings the condemnation? Our heart does. Does God bring it? If God were to bring that condemnation, then how can it be said that He is greater than our heart? God is greater than our heart. So our heart brings along condemnation. Our heart brings along things that convict us of stuff that we did. Doesn't that happen sometimes? Based, what is it based on? Is it based on the Holy Spirit? No, it's not always even based on the devil. Sometimes it is just based on a wrong set of beliefs. Now, most people don't miss church on Sunday that are, that are here, but every once in a while that, that happens. What would happen if you woke up, if you had the belief that if you, you... You don't have that belief. We've never put this belief in you. But if you did have that belief that if you did not show up in church on Sunday morning, that you might die and go to hell. There are churches that do that. There are people that they go to church because if they don't show up, they may go to hell. I could tell you what churches they are, but it's not important. But they're out there. Some of you were even a part of one. I was never a part of one. Glory to God. But I know people who were part of them. And I know some of the ones that are out there that, that do that. And so they get people under fear so that, that way they show up on Sunday. Or Saturday or whatever time they have in, have in church. And so they get in there and your alarm goes off at 11 a.m. I don't know what you're doing setting your alarm at 11 a.m. You should be up by then. But your alarm goes off at 11 a.m. and you wake up, oh no! Church has been going on for an hour already. And you try and get up real quick and get ready, but it's just, there's no use. You're not making it. And what happens to you if you have that belief, I must be in church on Sunday or else I am going to hell? Conviction comes in. Is it by the Holy Spirit? No, it's based on the wrong set of knowledge. But God is greater than our heart. God is greater than our heart. And we can say, Father God, you know, I would have been there if I... God is greater than a heart. But you see, that wrong belief is a stumbling block for you. You've got to clean out wrong beliefs. Clean them things out. You don't need to have those things in there. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Look at that one. If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. If God is not into condemnation, why is it now we have confidence? I mean, if God isn't into condemnation, shouldn't we have confidence anyway? No. We have confidence to stand before God because I believe I'm ready. I believe I'm clean. I believe that I have a right to be there. Isn't that right? Isn't that why we stand there? So, if wrong knowledge can creep in and get us to have a wrong set of beliefs so that we go against those beliefs, it can cause us 
to have condemnation, what happens when we stand before the Father? Now, you don't have to imagine this. Think back in your own life. How many times have you done something you thought was sin, but found out later on it wasn't? But while you thought it was sin, and there was a need in your life, and you went before God in prayer, that, need, that sin came up. And did it not hinder the boldness with which you came to God? Did we not sometimes change our prayer? Well, Father God, I know I really missed it. I know I messed up in that area. I sinned over here. But I just, uh, just pray that you just have mercy on me and that you go ahead and, and heal me of this thing or provide for this thing. Is there any confidence there before God? Uh-uh. By this we know. By this we have confidence. If our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence to get before God. Without or with condemnation, we do not have that confidence, do we? So one who is condemned is not confident. If we are called to rule and reign in this earth, can we rule and reign without confidence? Don't you remember all those uh, king movies and general movies and all the other leaders that are out there? The ones that are victorious are the ones that are confident. The ones that are not confident get subverted by people. People begin to work in and begin to undermine the things that they're doing because they have no confidence in it. So all that the devil has to do is get us to base beliefs on wrong principles. And he can undermine our confidence before God and therefore our ability to reign. Just because the truth that you believe is false doesn't mean it will have no effect. You must clean out wrong teaching and get yourself cleaned up. Because condemnation from, that is not from God is important. Because if I give into it, I am held back in ruling and reigning. I am held back from having confidence before God. It will hinder my prayers. It will hinder my faith. It will hinder my walk. Let's take a look at its cause. In Psalm 119, 105, The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If the Word is a lamp to my feet, is not the Word showing me which way I should go? Does it not show me what I should eat? Does it not show me what beliefs I should have in regards with days and festivals? The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So you can actually reword this this way. One who is weak is one who is not illuminated. One who is weak is one who does not have proper light. But one who is strong is one who is well illuminated. Psalm 119 verse 130. The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. The entrance of your words gives light. I still, I have that one down so well in the King James, it's almost hard for me to read in New King James. The entrance of thy word giveth light. That's the King James Version. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Isaiah 8.20 To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. That was Isaiah 8 and verse 20. 2 Peter 1 verse 19 And so, 
we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So the word is a light. It will come in and it will illuminate. We need to have the word illuminate what is important. When we do that, we find out that food isn't such a big issue. That Saturday or Sunday isn't such a big issue. Whether you celebrate Christmas or don't celebrate Christmas is not such a big issue. Didn't it say festivals in there? Whether you have a Christmas tree in your house or you don't have a Christmas tree in your house, it's not a big issue. You come over to my house, there's a Christmas tree. I got a big truck, I can get a big tree. You don't like Christmas trees? Don't come over to my house in Christmas time because there's one up there. It's got lights and balls. And now we have two. Because my wife likes to decorate it one way and I don't like to decorate it that way, so she has her own tree. It's true. You come on over our house. It's been that way the last couple of years. She has her tree. She puts on all her stuff that she likes that I don't like. And she puts it all on that one tree. And then we have the other tree. And that's it. That's a good, good way to solve it, isn't it? That's right. My wife likes all that sentimental stuff. You know, the things that kids give and the things that kids made and all that sort of stuff and puts it all on there. I like color themes on trees. I'm sure that comes as a shock to you all. <laughs> I like color themes. I don't want 45 colors on my tree. I'm, I'm happy with three. Three colors. Now, what three colors are we going to use this year? When I was single, I had a tree. I had a nice little setup. I went out and got a nice one. I had mauve, cream, and gold. Then it looked pretty good. And one year, I took out one of the colors and put red in. And another year, I took out another color and put blue in. But three colors is all I really want on a tree. I don't want more than that. Except for our, our lights. Now, our lights are high-tech lights. We got these high-tech lights when we were married. That's how long, long these things are. And if they made new ones, I'd go out and get them, but they don't. I haven't found these. Well, they make other ones that do other stuff, but these are the best lights in the entire world. There are no lights that are as good as this, so I'll nurse these things along, and I make sure that every year we get these suckers working. <laughs> They're what, on 19 years now, 20 years? They've been, they've been around a long time. I'm trying to think when we got them, when we, we probably have them for our first Christmas, didn't we? Yeah, we did have them for the first Christmas. And they've been, they've been doing good. That's a pretty good time for, for those kind of things. Yeah, it's all, all fun. But you know, if you, if you don't like Christmas trees, don't impose that because you really can't go into the Word of God and say, thou shalt not have a Christmas tree. Now, I know the verse that's in the prophets. It talks about decorating trees, but I also know the context of that verse. So that's not going to work with me. It might work with somebody else who's weak, but I eat meat. You're not dealing with a vegetable eater here. <laughs> uh, we just had some fun. All right. First off, we have people that are in the no light situation. No light. No light. They do not have God's mind on the subject. They have no light. They are operating in the dark. Now, you may say, well, that's good. Because if I'm ignorant, I can't be held accountable. <laughs> How many have ever thought that? Yeah, if I don't know it, I can't be held accountable for it. But that's not always true. That's not always true. 
you got to be careful about this thing. Not just look in the natural. And we'll just take the example of just driving your... Uh, well, we'll look at this one first. We'll look at uh, electricity. How many of people in this room are ignorant, no light at all, regarding wiring and electricity? Now, I have some knowledge. I have enough knowledge to be dangerous and <laughs> hurt people. Lou over there, he's got knowledge. He can do all sorts of fancy stuff. And he, he, he even talk, we talked about it. He works on live outlets. I have, but not on purpose. <laughs> you all get that picture, right? <laughs> yeah, not on purpose. I generally turn them off because I'm not as good as that. I have some knowledge and I can do some things with it, but, but no light. So just because you are ignorant of electricity, does that mean that if you play with the outlet, you will not get shocked? No. So ignorance doesn't help, does it? <laughs> if you are ignorant that a hurricane uh, category 4 is coming ashore and you're walking on the beach, is it going to hurt you? You're ignorant. You don't know. You just think it's a thunderstorm coming in. Category 4 hurricane coming. It's probably going to hurt you, isn't it? Yeah. Even though you're ignorant. That's... that's um, now, if you're flying in a plane and the plane is having mechanical difficulty, but you're ignorant of what's going on, is it going to hurt you? If that plane goes down, can you stand up? I didn't know. I didn't know the plane was having trouble. I shouldn't be affected by this. Ignorance is not always going to work for you, is it? If you don't know anything about a car and you practice that ignorance and your oil runs dry and burns out the engine, can you go to the mechanic and say, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I, I need a do-over. I need a do-over. I didn't know. Mm. No, it's not going to help you. So no light doesn't... You need to get the mind of God on some of these things. Because there's stuff out there that's going to hurt you. And you need God wants to warn you about it. Don't do this. Stay out of this. Don't go in here. Just get into some of the things. Proverbs 7. What does Proverbs 7 warn about? Solomon, y'all, you should, you should know Proverbs 7 by heart. You moms, you should have taught Proverbs 7 to your boys. I'm surprised that you haven't done that yet. I've taught Proverbs 7 to my son. Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7 talks about how women go around trying to entice men into things. Now, what if he's ignorant? He didn't know. Is he protected? No. Ignorance will not help you. You need to know. Find out about those things. So no light's not going to help you out. Here's the second one. Bad light. Bad light is when I do not correctly understand God's mind on the, on the subject. Is that going to help you? Now bad light is just light that shows up stuff. How many have ever been in a room with a black light? Now a black light shows things a little bit differently. You can find other kind of funny lights that are out there and you turn those lights on and though you're seeing, you're not necessarily seeing exactly what's there. You're seeing things just a, just a little bit different. Bad light's not going to help you out. Bad, 
Just just because there's light on the subject doesn't mean this is going to be be good. You need to have correct knowledge. Get out of the bad light. Get out of the no light. Third is dim light. Dim light. Somewhat, I somewhat understand God's mind on the subject. How many of y'all will say there's areas right now that you have some dim light in? I somewhat understand God's mind on the subject, but you don't have it all. Now, can that hurt you? Well, can you get hurt walking around in a place that's dimly lit? Can we? We surely can. Get, we can do that. We can get hurt walking around in a place like that that's dimly lit. Lit. But most times that you are walking around in a room that's dimly lit, how are you walking? Careful. Aren't you kind of feeling your way around? Why? Because it's dimly lit. You have no confidence that what's that you can see everything is ahead of you. Right? There might be some toy on the floor. There might be something sharp you're going to step on. Something like that. So dim lit. We've had some, not dim wit, but, you know, dim, <laughs> dim lit. You somewhat understand some of these things, but not completely on that. And that's all right. We have a lot of areas where we have some understanding of. But that's not what causes us the problem. So, so many people would admit this is, a, this is where I am. It can be a problem if you don't work to gain increase. Generally, if you walk around in a room that is dimly lit, what are you looking for? A light switch because you want to illuminate the room. Now, I don't know about you, but on my keychain, I carry around a flashlight because I find myself in dark places at times. And so, but just a simple twist, I can turn this flashlight on. I keep a battery in there that's a rechargeable battery. And every week I have to recharge the batteries around here in the church. And so every couple of weeks I throw this battery on, charge it up. It's ready to go. Whether it's dim or not, I just charge it up. And so I always have it. Because, you know, coming in here sometimes it's dark. <laughs> and so I'll just turn this on and I can shine it around and I can get to where I need to go, turn the light on, now I can see. But the purpose of this is to get me to the light switch. Mm-hmm. Put the light switch on, now I can walk around with a lot more confidence. I'm not going to hit anything in, in there at all. So the... The dimly lit part helps get us to the place where we can get more illumination on it. Now here, being dimly lit in an area. Not a dim wit, but dimly lit in an area can be a big problem if we walk as if fully illuminated. If you are in a room that is dimly lit and you walk as if you have full illumination, that's when you have a problem. Because now you're running into the coffee table full steam. Right? It's one thing to run into the coffee table gingerly. I mean, that hurts. But to walk into it full steam, oh! Because those coffee tables are just at the right level. They get you right there in the shin or in the knee or something. Oh, it's just not good. Where we want to get to is the full light. Where I have God's mind on the subject. Now let me ask you this question. <clears throat> Fully lit. I have God's mind on the subject. Is it possible? Is it possible for you to have to complete understanding of a subject that you could say, I have God's mind on the subject? Now, a whole lot of folks out there will say, well, no, I can never understand everything the way God understands it. 
I can never understand anything the, the way God... Cre- He's the Creator. He's God. How can I understand all the things that God has on that subject? And how can I be so bold and brazen as to say I have all knowledge in that area? Well, all you need... I mean, how many don't know when we turn the light on, when we turn these lights on in this room, if it was nighttime, we turn these lights on. How many of you all know that there are places that that light does not hit? So the room is not really fully lit, is it? Underneath the chair, you see shadows. You see some dark places in here. There's always some some places, but does that take away your confidence? No, I can see just fine. Let me give you an example of driving your car. Whatever kind of car you have, doesn't really make any difference what kind of car it is. How many of you have all knowledge of how that car works? How many of you could take that car apart and put it back together again? Take it completely apart. Every bolt, every jot, every tittle. Take the whole thing down to nothing and then build it back up again. <laughs> take it apart and not put it back together. Huh? I don't even know if I could take the thing apart. <laughs> I don't have enough knowledge on that at all. Does that hinder you from driving that car? Does that have, hinder you from having full confidence in driving that car? Would it help you to drive the car better if you knew how to take it apart? Would it help you to drive the car better if you fully understood the combustion engine? Would it help you to drive that car better if you fully understood rack and pinion steering? Front disc brakes. Does that help you? Only time that would help you is if you get stuck on the road and have to fix it. But as long as you are just driving the car, do you need all that knowledge? So you can become fully knowledgeable of a car that you're qualified to drive it. How many of you all know when you go out there and get your driver's test, they don't make you, all right, I'll take it apart. (laughs) Change the oil. Switch out the brakes. Rotate the tires. They don't ask you these things, do they? You don't have to do all that sort of stuff. What you have to be able to do is to operate. All that God wants us to do is have operational knowledge on these things. We don't have to have creative knowledge. I need to have operational knowledge. And I can have operational knowledge. I can become fully illuminated on how to operate in this thing, but I have no creative knowledge on it. I know how to operate in this area. I know how to do this particular thing. I know how to walk in this truth but I don't know all the principles behind it. I don't know what gives it the power. I don't know all that. But I know how to operate in it. If you're on a ship and you understand that that wheel turns the ship one way or the other, do you need to know why? No. So don't get caught up in that. Because sometimes the devil will come in in your head and he'll say, you don't have full illumination in that. You don't have confidence. You don't really know everything there is to know about that, do you? I don't need to know. I need to have operational knowledge. I need to know how to operate in this thing, what to do. That's all I need to know. It's up to him to keep all that stuff put together. It's up to my mechanic to keep my cars going. I don't try and learn all that stuff. As long as the car's going, good. Something's not going right with the car. I don't bring it into my garage and start taking it apart. I take it over the mechanic say, it's not working right. Fix it. Now, some of y'all, you can just take, go over there and, and fix it. You know, beyond an oil change, there isn't too much I would do in a car. Maybe I might rotate the tires. I let other people do that. They have the knowledge. I have operational knowledge. I know how to drive it. 
Well, how are we going to walk free of this kind of condemnation? And walk in the, so we can walk in, and rule and reign the way we're supposed to. First thing we've got to do is what we talked about last week. Receive His righteousness. You must receive His righteousness. It is His righteousness that qualifies you to stand before the Father. You don't need to understand all the ins and outs about it. All you need to know is, I wear His righteousness. I don't wear my own. I wear His. And every time the devil wants to come and tell you, but look what you did over here. But just last week, I wear His righteousness. I've asked for forgiveness on that. I wear His righteousness. Just receive it. That's all you can do. You can't create it. You can't make it. You've got to receive it. You receive His righteousness. The Word of God says, I am the righteousness of God in, in Christ. In Christ. It's through Him. I wear His righteousness. I wear His robe of righteousness. Second, walk in His light. Walk in His light. 1 John 1, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the, the word which you... I, I wrote the wrong Scripture down in there. Because that is not the one we wanted. I'm in the... You don't know where I am. <laughs> Am I missing a page? Holy cow. I think I'm missing a whole page. i got to go find out where that went to. <laughs> but if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from... He cleanses us from all sin. We're clean. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If we walk in the light as He is in the light. If we walk in the what? Not dimly lit? No. Not poorly lit? Not badly lit? Not no lit? Fully lit. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, He is not in partial light. He is in full illumination. Amen. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all. Cleanses us from all sin. Well, glory to God for that. So, receive His righteousness, walk in His light, and refrain from condemnation. Turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will He put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, we measure back to you. Go back to verse 37. Then we go a little, little bit further than that. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be. Give, and it will be. So judge not, and you shall not be. Condemn not, and you shall not be. Forgive, and you shall be. Give, and you will be. Given too. So here's the order of things. So if we do not condemn, what do we receive? 
If we do not condemn, I don't receive condemnation, right? So if I condemn, what do I get? You got to understand this principle, what he's teaching you right here. In the same way that if I do not forgive, I don't receive forgiveness, and that's given in a parable. If I condemn others, what do I receive? You want to stay out of condemnation, stop condemning other people. How many times have you been around sitting around a table? Not you, other people saying this, okay? You weren't, but other people were, were there and you heard them. And they say, Boy, that brother cleft for a dollar. I don't know about him. He's teaching on this topic and I don't think he's doing this. How many have ever heard people talk like that? What are they doing? Condemning. What will they receive? If you receive condemnation, what happens to your ability to reign? Can't reign if you're not confident. Right? Don't sit around there condemning. Don't sit around there and, and, and start doing that. Well, I don't think brother so-and-so ought to do this. I don't think sister so-and-so ought to do that. I, why are they doing that thing over here? How many times have we heard people, especially Christians, talk about other Christians and put out condemnation? Don't do it. Don't get involved. The people who do it will receive what? Don't get in on that harvest. Amen. <laughs> don't get in on that harvest. You don't need to mess with it. You don't need it. Let them alone. Leave Brother Creflo Dollar alone. You don't like him, then tune in somebody else. You don't need to sit over there and, and be messing with them. Brother Hagan used to tell us, he says, you know, ministers will, will uh, rise and fall. Some of them will get involved in sin and they will fall. I think God actually told him this. He said, there will be ministers who will get involved in things and they will fall. But I, I don't know if God told it to him, but I know He told us and we sh- I sure listened. He says, you have nothing to do with their fall. Have nothing to do with their fall. I try to honor that one. Mm-mm. I don't want to get involved in that. Now, I'll tell you what, I've been in some places and I can get caught up in the condemnation thing too. You start, yeah, that one ought to die. And they did this. And then this one over here. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. Nah, we can't do that. Got to repent of it. No, nah, I'm sorry, Father. I condemned others. Shouldn't be doing that. If I condemn others, I'm going to get Condemned. We don't need to mess with that. Oh, we don't need that. Stay out of condemnation. When you get around people, have the boldness to rise up and say, stop condemning others. Do you not know what the Word of God says in Luke chapter 6, verse 37? You will receive condemnation yourself. And you don't need it. That will hinder your ability to rule and reign. You don't need to do that. Don't be sitting around there having... All those kind of things, talking about why brother so-and-so taught this or sister so-and-so taught this and how they shouldn't have taught that and how they aren't living this way and how they aren't doing that. You don't know. Generally, the people that are throwing out condemnation like that got some other problems on their own. Don't, don't, uh, don't get caught up in it. Refrain from condemnation. Refrain from it. Just get, just get out of there. We don't need it. Glory to God. We've got enough to do. Let God take care of convicting those people. Let God take care of it. I try and take care of that too. Now, there are some times that you have to warn some people about others. Paul did that. Paul had to say, watch out for so-and-so. They're, they're out to get you. They're out to hurt you. Don't believe them. Now, I know from Paul, he already personally confronted those people and they didn't listen. And he followed the order of things. They personally confronted them. They didn't listen. They went to others. 
That still didn't help. And so now he's out there with the church and telling the church, don't follow after this guy. He will hurt you. Condemnation. Don't get involved in that. As we told you a few weeks ago, I try and follow the practice that if I don't, if I have not said it to the person's face, or if I do not plan to, I don't say it to anybody else. That'll help. I hope it helps you out. I know it helps me out to stay out of that area of condemnation. Because I'll tell you what, it's sometimes a whole lot easier to say things that we don't intend to say to the people that are involved. But don't get involved with that. Don't get involved in condemnation. There are some times you have to step out and be warned. But do it with a pure heart. Do it with a good intentions. And it'll go, it'll go just fine for you. But stay out of condemnation. Get this thing out. If you have, if, if something is coming along condemning you for past sins, rebuke it. If you are involved in a sin and condemnation has come upon you for it, repent and then get over it. Go on past it. You don't need that anchor to become something that weighs you down and holds you back to the past. Get into that anchor that's moving to the future and helping bring you, bringing you future things. Getting you out into that forward area. Too many times the anchor for people, they drop it and they stay put. They stay put. They don't go anywhere. It's a hindrance to them. But don't let condemnation hold you back. When it points you to something you need to change, change it and then go on. And don't let the devil ever hold you back on that. Say, oh, but you did this. Oh, but you're this way. Oh, but you know you're going to do that again. No, I'm free from condemnation. And I have confidence before God. You want to grow in your confidence to God. Make sure you have the right knowledge, the right illumination, and the right set of beliefs. And then hold to them. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You for Your Word. For it is a light unto our path. It sheds illumination. It sheds light into everything that we do. We want to get out of those no light situations. We want to get out of those bad light situations and those areas where the light is dim. We want to get into those places where they are, we are fully lit. We have illumination all around us and we can see where we're going and we have the confidence to put one foot in front of the other and walk the way we're supposed to walk. Thank you for the help that you give us. For Father, you want us to have confidence to always be boldly approaching the throne of God. Oh, we want to be in your presence. We know and I'll always be able to come in and just just because you're our dad, you're our father. Just come right into your presence. How you doing? I'm family. This is where I belong. I dwell here. This is my place. And we have confidence, every confidence in the world to just enter in. Father, we thank you for it. For we have been called to rule and reign. But our standing in righteousness and the condemnation we feel, these things will affect how we rule, how we reign. And so you've given us principles in your word to help us walk these things out right. So thank you for the help that you give us. As we go through this week, show us some areas where condemnation has gotten hold of us. And we need to shake it off. We need to walk according to your word and have the right set of beliefs. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.